Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. certain elements in the show which is to follow which are in extremely bad taste we just thought you would know we don't want to offend uh, those uh, more tender sensibilities out there it's a very bad taste uh, uh, but uh, let's face it the taste is a matter of uh, of uh, well it's a matter of uh, I suppose one can say uh, a community attitude right and it depends on the community you come from. I'm speaking in the, in the uh, cosmic sense of community attitude. I'm not necessarily referring to the fact you live in Plainfield, uh, <laughs> which can be problems in itself. By the way, do you have a beer commercial in there? By the, you notice one thing, that, that, the, that the intake of beer rises steeply at 11 o'clock and uh, rises to a crescendo shortly after midnight. So let's salute the beer drinkers who are with us. If you want to find something out, you got to ask tough questions. And we want to find something out. Do you know you're probably drinking the wrong beer? Do you know there's a beer so good some people won't drink any other kind? 
Do you know this great beer's name is Valentine? Does that surprise you? Why not try a Valentine today? We can ask tough questions about beer because we've got the answer. The only answer. Valentine. Yeah, Valentine. We'd like to once again salute tonight... Uh... If I may, before we get in, involved in this, I'd like to salute another victim of Philadelphia uh, tonight. You know, Philadelphia people tend to have a bad time with almost anything that they undertake. I I, uh, I speak with some uh, authority there, having at one time festered a while and lived in Philadelphia. I suppose you can say I lived. Although it, it's not the... depends on how you define the word live. Uh, I was in Philadelphia for some time, and... Uh, We'd like to salute a man, uh, uh, actually he's from Bucks County, who uh, got himself a motor home, you know, one of these motor home type things. And, uh, you know, this has brought up a whole new world uh, of, uh, of possible problems. Uh, it used to be that a guy's home was one thing and his car was another. And if you had problems with your car, uh, you had problems with your car. But, you know, today you can actually have your home break down. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's kind of... And, and what a fantastic story. Did you hear about this guy? Listen to this, man. A Bucks County man is preparing a diary, uh, but not the kind that he would like to to uh, take, uh, you know, into, into account. It says uh, this guy has gone to federal court over a $13,500 motorhome with the alleged habit... Alleged? How can you have an alleged habit? But with the alleged habit of breaking down with unbelievably nightmarishly consistent frequency. We quote, I've had trouble with this damn vehicle from one end to the other. I'm just quoting. I'm just quoting the man. Uh, he has a seven-page diary listing dozens of major and minor failures encountered in 13 months of struggling with the camper. No matter what I do with it, it breaks down. End of quote. Uh, he has filed a suit in U.S. District Court against the company. We will not name the company. And uh, and I, again, must quote here. Uh, he says, uh, I spent over $10,000 in towing and parts on a damn thing alone. And, uh, we, again, uh, must say, uh, I'm just quoting the gentleman here, and uh, his tone is not the tone that I would have used. And uh, if you're curious what he said, uh, what happened to it? you want to know what happened to it? All right, I'll tell you. The water system failed. Water, you know, it's got a, it's got a water faucet. It failed ten times. Thirteen months. Ten times. And uh, what did it do? Well, what do you mean? It flooded a camper with 70 gallons of water. On two occasions, number water. It was up to my knees. Well, uh... What else happened to his camper? You want to hear another thing? The piston busted! It broke a piston right in the gas station! Well, now that can be major. I don't know whether any of you know anything about internal combustion engines. But if you have a piston failure, uh, it's kind of serious. And I'd like to ask him, uh, you know, how did this happen and what happened and as a result of it and uh, what were the situations surrounding the broken piston? It. I was taking it back to the factory to have it checked when it busted. He was on his way to the factory to, to have him check it when his piston broke. Well, uh, what happened to you then at that time, sir? Oh, what do you mean? I was without it. I couldn't use a damn thing for four and a half months. They had it four and a half months. Well, uh, what happened then? I mean, uh, you, you... Oh, 
Whoa, what do you mean, what happened then? I went to the factory. I got the factory. Would you believe it? It broke down right in the factory from ignition trouble. I got in, and the ignition went out on it. Oh, well, uh, uh, did you have them looked at it? Oh, yeah, they were looking at it for four months. And not only that, I went to the dealer to get it, and it wouldn't start right there in the dealer. The guy stood there and looked at me. Well, uh, piston broke. It wouldn't start in the dealers, and, uh, I don't want to sound uh, facetious, sir, but, uh, uh, <laughs> are you sure that, uh, you didn't have anything to do with it? I mean, uh, you know, you might... What do you mean, you have anything to do with it? I had a book, right? The book, instruction manual. It says that you should take it out on a trip, shakedown trip. Well, I took it on a shakedown trip, and what happened? The driver's seat collapsed. I'm sitting on it. I land right on my bottom. Not only that, the refrigerator failed. All the eggs went bad. The first trip out. Well, uh, sir, I mean, uh, are you sure that you didn't you didn't follow the the, the uh, you know? Did you follow all the instructions carefully in the book? Oh, that's the trouble. Not only did I follow them, I had a flat tire. I'm out of half a day. I get a flat tire. What happened? The tire blew all apart. I get out the book. It says to take the jack out, right? The jack. The damn jack they gave with me did not fit. It would not work. Oh, uh, they sent you the wrong jack. And uh, you mean your tire blew up? Yeah, it blew up because they gave me the wrong information on how much air to put in the tire. And they admitted it. The tire blew up. Well, uh, it's very interesting, sir. Uh, did anything else happen on the shakedown trip? <laughs> oh, you want to hear about that? All right. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll get my diary out. On the shakedown trip alone, I'll tell you what happened. The water pipe broke, right? Squirted water all over my wife. Right there in a, in a trailer, right? The power steering stopped. The damn thing would not steer. The transmission started to squirt grease all over the motorhome court on a guy's trailer next door. And a gas line broke. And not only that, I don't know how to tell you this, the toilet didn't work. Try to flush the toilet, and instead of the stuff going down, it come up. $13,500. Well, did you take any other trips, sir? On, on, uh, you took a, a shakedown trip, you said, to uh, North Carolina. Were there any other trips? Oh, I went to Alaska. Oh, the Alaskan Highway. Don't ever go up there. Let me tell you what happened on the Alaskan Highway. I'm driving along when the hood flew up. The hood on the, cam on the, on the camper flew right up and hit the windshield. I couldn't see nothing. And, and not only that, it blew hot air into the... In the, in the interior, in the back, the hood came up. The hot air goes in there. Uh, this caused uh, dust to come in. Rocks was coming in. The air conditioner did not wink. It, it kept making a battery run down. In fact, the air conditioner never wiped. I turned that thing on the first hour. That air conditioner did not work once. It blows hot air right into there. It blows hot air and dust and stuff. I figured I'd retire, you know, and I'd have a lot of foam in my house trailer. And, uh... Boy, oh boy, I want to tell you, it's been a lot of fun. That's all I got to say. It's been nothing but fun. Nothing but fun. Yeah. Come on, watch me. There you go. There, watch me, not him. I want to tell you, I got nothing but trouble. Nothing but bad news. All day long. The phone bill is never right. And you ought to see my gas and electric bill. 
Every month they tell me they made a mistake. But every month, I gotta call them again. The can opener broke. Cut my thumb. I just busted a fingernail trying to open a can of beer. Nothing works. I want to tell you, nothing works anymore. Ba -ba 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 I, I sit around all day long trying to figure out just where it's all going to end. Ba -ba -boo. I sit around playing my old, my old banjo. And what good? That's right, nothing tastes right, baby. Ba -ba -ba -doo -doo -doo. I want to tell you, I got that nothing don't work blues. Bought myself a new car. Five minutes later, discovered, got three and a half pints to the gallon of gas going downhill with the wind behind it, with the key off. Nothing works. I turned on the ignition. The key broke off in the lock. Took me four or five weeks to get the damn thing started. And they told me that it, 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 it was not coming into warranty. Yeah, I got them nothing don't work blues. I want to tell you, the other day, bought myself, bought myself a TV. Plugged it in. Blew every damn fuse in the neighborhood. I called them up and they said, that ain't covered in the warranty. You blow fuses next door, we don't cover the guy next door. Set the firehouse on fire. Fourteen blocks away. Oh, I got nothing but trouble. Everywhere I turn. Nothing but bad news. Nothing works. Not quite. Almost, but not quite. Got myself a motor-driven can opener. Turned it on. Damn thing jumped off the table. Chewed up my linoleum. Went out the door. And bit three dogs on its way down to the parking lot. Better eat him. But it won't open cans. Nothing. I tell you, nothing works. So be careful when them fast-talking guys come around. And tell you you got a 90-day warranty. Six months, a lifetime guarantee. Bought myself a ballpoint pen. Guaranteed for life. Worked three and a half minutes and then squirted ink all over my new suit, which was supposed to be washable. Nothing comes out. Wash and wear, you forget it, man. Ba ba nothing works. I want to tell you. It ain't easy. It ain't easy. I got my drawers full of warranties, guarantees, all kinds of papers and certificates. All them companies done gone out of business long ago. You ever tried to send a can opener back to Taiwan to get a new washer put in it? Forget it, man. All them things. You just keep bringing home. Maybe work five, ten minutes, sometimes not at all. But that's the name, the name of the game. Yeah, shake, wiggle around and yell and holler. I can shimmy shake. Ah, yeah, like my sister Kate. <laughs>
Hold it there, hold it there. Did you like that tune? Thank you. This is a WOR New York. <laughs> An RKO General Station. They say there's a time in life for everything. For Dubonnet, the time is before. Before, that's the time to think about some Dubonnet to drink. Before's the proper time of day to have yourself a Dubonnet. Before, yeah, before. Some wines are made to go with lunch or dinner, some after. But Dubonnet tastes different because it's made to go before. Before the steak, before whatever you've got cooking. Just pour it over the rocks, add a twist, soda if you like. That's Dubonnet before, made to make what comes after that much better. Dubonnet Company, New York, New York. Uh, Marty Glickman and Larry Grantham will bring you all the live action and color of the New York Jets, New York Giants football game at the Yale Bowl. Remember, no live TV coverage of this fantastic event and your Jet action this coming Sunday afternoon at 1.35 on Naturellement, WOR Radio. I, I, do you, you, you do, uh, I, I think you do appreciate my singing, don't you, you're one of the few around here. You know, it's 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 so good to work occasionally with somebody with a few finer sensibilities. I mean, generally, when I'm sitting here singing, playing my horn and blowing and and uh, got the Jews harp going, I look in there and I see that engineer with his head buried in that Lafayette catalog, and I know that it has fallen on deaf ears. In fact, you've heard the term tin ears. These guys got ears made out of bismuth. I mean, that don't, <laughs> that just doesn't conduct nothing. <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry, you know, about this, this guy out in Philadelphia. We, we have to, we have to, uh, we have to send our condolences out here, you know, to him. Uh, the idea that, uh, I think the worst uh, problem, though, was the, uh, was, uh, you know, with the toilet and all that. I mean, it, uh, have your own home break down and you like that, everything, you know. It's kind of sad. But uh, after all, let's face it, I think it's because we are living in a world now where uh, the barbarian is coming into his own. Do you agree? I mean, I suspect that in this day and age, Attila the Hun would feel at home. Now, that's not true a few years ago. Can you imagine Attila the Hun walking into an elegant Victorian salon? I mean, Victor, uh, you know, you can see these elegant people, uh, uh, Oscar Wilde and all these. No, no way. But in our time, he'd make it big. As a matter of fact, I suspect that Attila the Hun could get himself an agent and be making pornies in a week. If he came back and doing quite well. A sensitive artist. But <laughs> I mean, it, you know, let's face it. And 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 I, I tonight I I uh, I are any of you real sport fans? Now I've I've got the now this may be a sport that you may enjoy. This is the kind of sports stuff you just never hear Kurt Gowdy talk about. And I would love to see this. On uh, on the uh, wide, wide world of sports. As a matter of fact, a few years ago, I predicted one time that this would happen. I hate to be one of these guys that always say, I told you so, but it finally happened. Finally happened. That they awarded, just the other day, the National Slob Championship for general oafishness. 
Now, what marks an oaf? What, what talents would an oaf have? Well, just think about it for a minute. What does an oaf do? I mean, a, a, a true oaf. Well, I'm going to quote to you from the sport page of the Denver Post. One of my spies sent this out to me. Did you read about this championship, Jerry? Were you going as a sport fan? And I must say this. I, I, I want to tell you right now, offhand, uh, when I heard about this, I, I, when I heard about the, the, uh, the national championships that were about to be played out in Denver, I thought, by God, I'd like to go. In fact, I may even like to compete. <laughs> I mean, because, uh, let's face it, uh, slobism is really not a spectator sport. It's much more of a participant sport. Uh, you've been in many a diner out on Route 3 in Jersey, and uh, you've seen the oafs come in. You know, doing what oafs always do. And there are many things they do, but there are certain classical formations that the oaf, the true oaf, uh, will, will... It's like figure skating. They're school figures. And what are the school classical figures in the world of the slob and the oaf? Well, what are some of the things that slobs take, uh, take uh, pride in? Wouldn't you say uh, one of them is... Uh, many of them are related to bodily functions, you will agree. The oaf does not take much pride in his mind, since, of course, obviously, from starters, it's generally non-existent. So uh, he has to he has to take pride in other things. What are some of the things? Well, wouldn't you say uh, spitting? That's an oaf. Uh, that's uh, oh yes, I've I've seen some fantastic spitting done. Uh, I've seen actual spitting in anger. You know, like that, right on the shoe. Uh, have you ever seen that done? That's right. Uh, this is this is a, this is one of the uh, uh, one of the weapons of the oaf. Uh, what are some of the other talents that the oaf has? Well, all right, I'll read to you from the Denver Post, written by a writer named Bob Ewingen, Denver Post uh, reporter. Due to unpopular demand, the third international spitting, belching, and cussing triathlon will assort will assault the sensitivities of Central City, Colorado. At 3 p.m. Friday, this was written back in July. Appropriately enough, the annual celebration of these repulsive arts will fall on Friday the 13th. The gross festivities sponsored by the so-called Red Bandana Gang are regarded by true connoisseurs of oafishness as the World Series or Super Bowl of public offensiveness and have gathered contestants from across the country who have survived elimination contests to arrive at this pinnacle, the Super Bowl. What sets this annual disgrace in the beer garden of the Glory Hole Tavern, apart from other spontaneous forms of obnoxious behavior, is the high degree of organization and the sheen of class that the organizers bring to their slobbish bacchanal. Organizer Lou Cady has promised this year's event will be so high tone quote, that one need not to have been raised in a barn to participate. He admits, however, that such upbringing may well come in handy when the competition begins. I mean, let's face one thing, and I think you know this too, Ed. You've lived out in the world out there. You've seen it. Uh, that like any other talent, and, and a talent we're speaking of here, that, uh, that being a real slob is a genuine talent. I mean, having a star quality among slobs. I'm not, we're not talking about just being a, 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 a you know, a, 
a pigaroni. We're talking about genuine slobism. I mean, there are slobs that rise above. For example, I knew a guy named Bolas Rakowski, I'm serious, who could spit between his teeth for about 40 or 50 feet. Unbelievable accuracy, like that. And it just was a little tiny wad of saliva, like a BB, would go through the air maybe 30 or 40 feet against the wind. Now, that's talent. And I might say it's talent. Now, it's just not the kind of thing, though, that you're going to find Lenny Bernstein doing. Uh, George Plimpton could not take part in this contest. You know, he, uh, it's, 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 uh, you, you understand what I'm talking about. Have you ever seen guys that could spit good? You have, haven't you? Uh, <laughs> in fact, you know who was really great at that? Tommy Agee, the ball player. I, I, every time Agee would come up to bat, I'd watch him uh, when he was playing with the Mets. A.G. would step up to the plate, you know, and he, he looked lethal at the plate, and he was a lot of times, and, and, and he would turn, and he would just go, and you'd just see this little, this little tiny BB of saliva go, pow, like a shot down into the ground. And, and I used to, you know, that, that talent always fascinated me. I said, I'd never been able to do it. That uh, this is, this is uh, I, all I'm saying here is don't put down the Super Bowl of oafishness. Now, there has been, over the past, watermelon seed spitting contests. We're not talking about that. We're talking about slob spitting. This is something else. That's right. Now, listen carefully. Uh, spitters, of course, have the, have the easiest task. Remember, this is a, a triathlon. This is like the pentathlon. Uh, you don't just get win by spitting. No, no. They, they test you in three talents. Uh, spitters, of course, have the easiest task, according to this piece. That competition is strictly for distance, which is fitting for a true, a true slob, using only natural juices. That's putting it politely. Okay? All such artificial devices as watermelon seeds and so on are banned by the purest. And I might add these, the pure laws were pertaining during the Super Bowl. Uh, raincoats for judges will be provided uh, free by the organization. Now, the next talent, and I must say that I, I, I've seen some magnificent performers in this field. Rarely, though, does a great spitter also in, in, in encompass other talents. It's like the decathlon. You know, a lot of guys can, can high jump great, but when it comes to running the 1,500 meter, you know, they're in trouble. A true decathlon performer is really adept at everything. I mean, he can be high jumping, pole vaulting. He may not be a prize winner in every one of those, but he's great, you know, when you take it overall, right? Now, this is a triathlon. After the spitting, the next one, uh, I don't know whether I should bring this up, you know, I, I uh, well, all right, I'll just say what it is. It's the belching contest, right? Now, that is a true slob activity. Ed, Ed you've probably seen some great belchers in your time. I certainly have. I, I, uh, I knew a guy that had a full octave and a half range. Fantastic. Uh, and what was more, I, I saw one time, I saw a, a guy named Stanley Roper, who I thought, uh, I was in high school at the time. This is when that uh, uh, young kids are not good belchers. They don't have because they haven't formed the the, the diaphragm has not developed yet. You don't have the lung power. You don't have uh, the larynx has not developed and all. Uh, the true belching talent becomes evident about the 16th year, roughly, according to those who rate who handicap good belchers. And uh, from about the 16th year to probably the 23rd or 24th year is the great development period of a belcher. After that, it's all a matter of then learning style. Uh, it's, it's a matter of learning to control the medium. It's quite an art, as you know. But I remember Stanley at the age of 16. 
standing at fantastic volume, which is part of this talent. But more than that, he had tremendous distance going. He could he could he could let go one that would go maybe a minute and a half. And we, we none of us could believe it. I mean that, that that's the kind of thing that 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 sets the let's put it this way, the talented off from the run of the mill. Little touches like that. And he could end up, after a minute and a half, like this, this real window rattler, you know, he would end up then with, an even, with a great blast at the end. He would not peter out. It would be like Dave Waddle, you know, the last 15 yards, he really turns on a speed. Well, I mean, uh, it was recognized that... Uh, that uh, that Stanley was the number one belcher in the crowd. Uh, Bullis, unbelievable with this fantastic distance he would get in spitting. Now, if you could put the two together, you'd really have something. Anyway, how was belching? Belching faces a more difficult task. Volume is important for a high score in this low activity, but tonal quality counts. This is very important. And three... Uh, well-qualified musicians from the Denver Symphony Orchestra agreed to judge this event. That's right. Well, I mean, let's face it. It's uh, uh, who would be more qualified to judge tone? You know, going out and get you know get some guy that's driving a bread truck to come in and hear whether the tone is good. He may be totally tony. You know, you know, doggone well at the concert meister, and he's not. He's gonna. He's got an ear for for sound. Uh, the symphony uh, joined in this with a will. Uh, and uh, just the three men that were sent over were well-respected members of the Detroit Symphony. However, the high or low point, depending on whether, you know, your view of these things, the high or the low point of the despicable competition is the cussing or swearing event. And they really mean swearing. They're not, oh, heck, or oh, damn, nothing like this. They're talking about the real thing, as the boys out there and. <laughs> out there where the corn is high, would say, no syllables are barred. No syllables nor words, Anglo-Saxon, Germanic or other words are, even including the ancient Celt, uh, other words of, uh, of uh, obscenity, uh, despicable cussing is, this is free, free form, and a true slob does not know any boundaries. He grabs it where it, ha where it is, and he lays it out the way it is. Uh, the presence of ladies is not recommended, uh, according to the uh, the <laughs> this is a this is the real thing, friends. Uh, according to the uh, note we have here, uh, for that matter, neither is the presence of gentlemen actually recommended. The feminine contestants in this event have done much to alter the image of the fair set fair sex by monumental heights of Billingsgate, which uh, in the past they have uh, they have used. You know what Billingsgate is, don't you? Any of you know why they call it Billingsgate? Have you ever heard the expression Billingsgate? He's a veritable master of Billingsgate. You never heard that expression? Well, Billingsgate, you, you, you step around this corner once in a while, you'll pick up a few literary facts. Uh, you will not pick this up, I guarantee you, from Jules Pfeiffer. You will hear. Uh, Billingsgate is the name of an area of London. Uh, and during the 18th century, Billingsgate became famous as the area where food was brought. It was like the warehouse section. And these guys were always loading wagons and unloading wagons, and they worked late at night, and the language was unbelievable. 
as you can probably guess, this is the docks, like you know. And these guys were were and and became the language became known as Billingsgate, Billingsgate style talk. It's like there's a phrase Cockney. Well, there's Billingsgate. Billingsgate refers to pure unadulterated swearing, with a with a uh, with a let's say an emphasis on on the insults and obscenity. If you combine insult with obscenity, you're a true practitioner of elegant Billingsgate. Uh, contestant organizers say the three uh, recognized uh, college professors, uh, people who teach English, uh, who teach classical, particularly English, and uh, will be judging this contest. They, you know, and, and they say that uh, uh, this is very interesting. Uh, in addition to individual awards, the best the awards, the best or maybe the worst competitors in each field, an overall award is made with the man with the greatest all-around skill at expectoration, eructations, and vilification. And there's a man among men, a person among people. I mean, <laughs> uh, in other words, the leading oath. Uh, and, and, you know, if you think this is light, I'm going to just tell you this. Uh, uh, it takes a long history of practicing window-shadowing burps to get to the point where you're going to go to Denver to compete. Uh, you don't just uh, take this lightly, you know, and, and, and you got to think of the background of these people. Last year's winner, Bill, or T.D. as he's known, Edwards, will return to defend his dubious honor. He now holds the traveling trophy, which is a chrome Rolls-Royce radiator cover. Uh, if you don't know anything about the chrome Rolls-Royce radiator cover, it's an elegant thing. You've seen it. And what does it show? Winged victory. Correct. Uh, and I think this is kind of a nice touch of uh, the designated cussy, by the way. They have a designated cussy, uh, just like the designated hitter. Another avidly avoided honor has not yet been announced, but organizers are trying to find a suitable recipient for all the verbal blues. In other words, they want to have a person... Uh, a, a true swearer. It's just like a like a baseball player. It's like a hitter. He has to have an enemy. Uh, a, a a real hitter does not hit well in batting practice quite often. It's when he's in a game and the pitching is tough that he will hit. So they have a designated cussy, a person who will accept the vilification of the cussers on stage uh, to spur cussers to er ever greater torrents of abuse. They are trying to talk, according to this piece, a politician into volunteering for a designated cussy. Public is invited. However, they want to point out that you bring your children at your own risk. Uh, what they want. Now that was the that was the the, the 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 announcement prior. Now do you want to hear how it worked out? That was held. Now I'd like to tell you that, that and this is a great. Uh, I have a great sense of of. Uh, of civic pride to tell you what actually occurred in that in the in the event. Now now you heard the pre-event uh, description. It was it was in the Denver Post. Here is from Central City, Colorado. The results came in, and here it is from the Associated Press. And this was uh, uh, one week later. And again, this is from uh, one of the uh, Denver papers. And this was an Associated Press news bulletin. Student, this is the headline, student grabs slob title and spits a world record. I mean, there's a guy that rose to the occasion. 
He not only he not only got the title, but he also broke the record. It, 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 this, this guy is the secretariat of, of, of the Oaf world. And I want to want you to, and all you New Yorkers out there are going to be pleased to know that once again, New York has proven that it is the slob capital of the Western world. A New York City kid took it. I mean, I, it feels great, you know. I mean, uh, uh, it, it, it holds Archie Bunker and all, you know. Uh, the beer garden at the Gory Hole Tavern was more or less back to normal yesterday after an, ex- an, an exhibition of unparalleled inelegance, known as the third international spit and belton and cuss and triathlon, the Slob Super Bowl. The spectacle held annual in this old gold camp 30 miles west of Denver drew a huge crowd. Now, this is a ghost hunt. It drew a crowd of over 1,200. Now, that's a big crowd of, you know, people that sit around and watch you got belch, which included the unabashed contestants, two of which were women. And let's give let's give credit where it is. You want to know who won this? I'd like to, t- you know, when he gets back to town, I'd like to talk to him. I'd like to hear some of his work. Uh, Harold Fildon, F-I-E-L-D-E-N, Harold Fildon, a University of Colorado student from New York City. Spat 34 feet, seven and a half inches to break a world spitting record. He clearly outcussed 11 other contestants and then put on a spectacular exhibition of belching to win the traveling trophy, a chrome Rolls-Royce radiator cover. And there's a kid that probably learned, he probably trained on kosher dill pickles. He probably trained on pastrami. Uh, I, I must say that uh, that's very handy when you're working at the you you don't uh, stuffed cabbage is fantastic if you want to work in that field, but anyway, Fildon fired the record-breaking expectoration to win a gold spittoon. They gave individual awards, you see, as well as the overall award. Then he let go with some well-chosen, unprintable words used in spectacular formations with great vile and and verb. Of course, if you live in New York, you learn to do this. Uh, again, I might say that his background did not hurt him. If, if, if you've spent much time uh, riding cabs up and down 6th Avenue or trying to struggle your way into a, a double E train at 5 o'clock down at 23rd Street, you learn a lot of these things in combat. And obviously, Harold uh, took his New York City training to, to, to absolute, uh, to the peak. Uh, he also, by the way, he got a case of soap for winning the cussing contest. Now, you see why soap, of course. If you recall, it was symbolic years ago that if you used that word, you would get your mouth washed out with soap, right? Well, he got a case of soap. Uh, taking up honors, uh, he, took, he took the belching contest, too, by the way, but only placed second in belching. But remember, he took the first two honors. So in the overall triathlon, he led in the ultimate vote. But the greatest belcher, incidentally was Paul Woodham's 26 of Denver. He won a free Hungarian dinner. Well, I don't know what they mean by Hungarian dinner, but for those of you who know much about Hungarian food, you can understand the connection. I, uh, they, they, uh, The Hungarians, incidentally, do specialize in a form of stuffed cabbage, which produces a fantastic after-effect, which... Uh, uh, obviously, uh, uh, is, is uh, symbolic in this case. Spectators came as far away as New York City and Los Angeles to witness this year's spectacle sponsored 
uh, by the various bars in Central City. The editor of the weekly newspaper, Little Kingdom Come, and Max Robb, the newspaper's publisher, judged the spitting contest. Uh, they had some difficulty measuring when contestants were hit by spectators. By the, the spectators were hit by contestants by accident. Well, you've seen that happen. I saw Arnold Palmer one time put one right in the middle of a, of a gallery in the Masters. And uh, the guy was laying out, stretched out on the ground that he hit. Did you see that one? He got hit in the temple. Nobody paid any attention to him. There was a big argument going on as to whether Palmer should drop another ball or whether he lost a stroke by... Uh, KOing a spectator or not, and the spectator just lay there. I could see he was gasping a little bit, but later on when he came to, he was proud of the fact that he had a fractured skull that was given to him by Arnold Palmer using a number two iron. But nevertheless, uh, in this case, uh, in this case, case, I suppose if a spectator did get hit by a flying gob uh, or oysters, as known technically in the... Wait, don't don't leap. This is right here in the... the, uh, in the repeat, again, you're going to come to me and say, Shepard, you're showing bad taste. I only report the news, friends. Uh, and, I, and I warned you that it was going to be in certain bad taste things. But they said that the technical expression used by the contestants was oyster. Now, I'm just bringing it out. So uh, when spectators were struck by these, uh, they had to use various uh, triangulation methods to determine the actual, how far it would have gone had it not hit the lady in the blue dress. In other words... Uh, triangulation was used. She had to stand still while they took the, you know, you know how that works. Anyway, uh, in the belching tournament, judgment was based on tonal quality and raw sheer volume. Uh, however, tonal quality counted considerably in this contest, and the winner, uh, Paul Woodhams, displayed an elegant tone, and it was a judge by the symphony men from the Detroit or the uh, the Denver Symphony as as having particularly elegant his upper register was was true sharp and clear uh, he did have a fairly decent range in the bass range but he was particularly good in the higher register which incidentally is interesting because we generally think of it as a low but the, this guy apparently had a high thin uh, pure tone which uh, obviously came incidentally uh, they warmed up with beer uh, the belching. People warmed up with beer and alkalizers. Let's put the alkalizers. Uh, what does that mean? Does that mean things like alkalizers and so forth? I don't know. Beer and alkalizers. Uh, the members of the Denver Symphony judged this competition. Highlight was the cussing competition. Give you a little more note on that. Uh, judged by representative of uh, the English department and area news media, it was judged on the basis of venom, originality, Neatness, creativity, and aptness of thought. Now, you see, that's an important point. Uh, You don't call people certain it's aptness of thought uh, that counts in this uh, neatness, originality. I don't know how you can judge it on neatness, I suppose, enunciating your words clearly uh, so that they could be heard at great distances. Uh, Originality, I can see, is a very important part of this because, you know, uh, the, the dull kind of swearing is nothing. This is original work. Uh, one contestant who was an art student from Macon, Georgia, was one of two women uh, entered in the triathlon who said she entered the contest because she felt she did have, quote, talent. Uh, she stepped onto the stage with a parasol and cussed her darndest but was not quite good enough to uh, get past the second elimination. Of course, this is a problem, I think, basically, and I don't like to sound like a, like a male chauvinist pig here, 
But I do think, basically, there are certain talents that are masculine and some that are feminine, uh, male or female. Do you agree with this? Uh, and I'm, I'm afraid that the truly creative, uh, venomous swearing is generally a masculine talent. However, I'm not saying that in eventual uh, years to come, when uh, the liberated female becomes part of the great vast street scene more and more, uh, we might see some elegant female swearers develop. Uh, I, I remember one time my old man, who was a fantastic swearer. It, in fact, it was his art form. He worked in, in, in swearing the way uh, Henry Moore, uh, the sculptor, works in marble, bronze. It was all, it was all timing. Timing is important. The use of the right word at the right time. And I remember, the, forget the time my mother, hanging over the sink, said something. A four-letter word. It, 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 one of the rare times I've heard her say that. And my old man looked up from the table and says, Why don't you stick to something you can do? And, and it said it all. I could see my mother's neck get red, you know, and, and, and she knew that just wasn't her field. Uh, and the old man went back to reading the editorial page of the Tribune. I could hear him muttering under his breath, because he always did when he read the editorial page of the Trib. And, and the, uh, you see, that's part of, of learning to swear well. You've got to have something to swear at. And he always did. My mother, you know, just the free-form swearing, you know, oh, hell, oh, de no, 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 no. Swearing is an art form like many others. And the old man's line, stick to something you can do, would very well apply to all of us. A bad spitter is, a, is an awful thing to see, you know, dribbling on the chin and all that. But I like this neat, concise triangulation of the truly elegant spitter, and then a belch, and then, oh, this is terrible. This is WOR New York and RKO radio station. Stay tuned for John Wingate. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.